0: Hello, and welcome to Mystic Dog Mama, the podcast for soul-led dog mamas, where you'll discover how to best nourish your dog and yourself, mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Alexia Meller. It's wonderful to have you with me today. Thank you for being here. So I have a question for you. Were you one of those kids who believed in fairies or who believed that animals could talk? and that even your toys might get up to no good when you weren't home? Did you just love being outside because it felt like home and the world was full of magic? Yeah, that was me too. And I feel like much of my spiritual journey as an adult has been an attempt to get back to those feelings I had as a child. I think it's probably what many of us are looking for, that reconnection, that remembering of the magic that surrounds us, and that's within us. In this episode, I welcome singer-songwriter and author Susan Raven, who joins me in conversation about her spiritual awakening journey and how this led her back into intimate relationship with nature spirits. She talks about how coming across Rudolf Steiner's philosophical and scientific writings on the topics of anthroposophy and the supersensible world, which is the energetic world that lies beyond our five senses, catalyzed a transformative understanding for her of the very nature of the energies and consciousness that's at the very heart of the natural world. She also talks about how her experience of the process of songwriting became a collaborative, intimate back and forth with the landscape itself. Susan wrote the book Nature Spirits, The Remembrance, a guide to the elemental kingdom, as a quote, stirrup up to the saddle, as she says, into the works of Rudolf Steiner and his discoveries of the supersensible world and how this is being backed up by current research into quantum physics and biodynamic agricultural practices. It marries the mythologies of old with a contemporary understanding. The book also provides easy practices for you to try in order to connect to this unseen, energetic world, too. Now, you might be saying, what on earth does this have to do with my dog? Well, as I mentioned in the episode, our dogs really are a gateway into the natural world and into these unseen sensibilities. I'm hoping that Susan's perspectives that she shares in this talk and in her book might offer you a new magical lens as you and your dog head out on your walks and connect with nature, with the land, and with one another in a deeper way. Susan has such a poetic, beautiful way about her, and I invite you to sit back with a cup of tea and enjoy the journey she takes us on. Okay, let's go. Hello and welcome to the Mystic Dog Mama podcast. I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to welcome our guest today, Susan Raven. Susan, this is a conversation that I have been looking forward to for weeks now. I'm so excited to connect with you and to introduce the Mystic Dog Mama audience to your work around nature spirits and elementals and to just have a conversation around what nature spirits and elementals are and what they are asking of us and what they are teaching us in our lives. So thank you and welcome.
1: It's great to be here and it's wonderful to um, share my view of these generous and wonderful beings. And really, if we think about the nature spirits and elementals, in a way they've been ridiculed and cordoned off from we've been taught out of a connection with these beings. And one could probably say that for the past hundred years, this is the first time in the whole of Earth's history when people would say, I feel stupid talking to a tree or cuddling a tree or um, connecting with nature spirits. So it's the first time, really, in Earth's history, because our um, ancient ancestors and our nearer ancestors were connected with these beings. And these beings were part of the community. They were part of the the, the landscape um, angels. The landscape nature spirits were part of the village community. So my experience with um, nature spirits it's been a long path but I've I started with my um intimacy with the land the intimacy this loving intimacy with the land Um, I would say really as as a as a young teenager I would spend um hours and hours on my own and I was lucky enough to have a pony and I would just go out riding for hours and hours and all the trees and all the rocks, they were my friends, and I would say hello to them. My horse, my pony, myself, and the landscape were one. And um, so there was sort of really, I started this journey of communication, I would say, in in my teenage. I think we all as children have a perception of these beings, but again, it's not nurtured, and it's not uh, <clears throat> it's taught out of us in most um, school systems, not so much the Waldorf school system, which is um, was started by Rudolf Steiner. I mean, I have one friend who's a kindergarten teacher and she has this wonderful earthenware pot that she has in the kindergarten playground and the children give porridge and oats to the gnomes and the fairies. So she nurtures this, um, this connection. So I would say going into my twenties, but I've always written songs and it's walking the land and um, turning into sound, song, tones, music, this relationship and this intimacy. So I walk the land and um I absorb the um the curve of the hill, the the um the stern gaze of the rock, the um the line of the trees, and I sing them. I transfer what I feel, this uh kind of um <clears throat> exchange of soulful loving meaning from the land and the phenomena of the land and it transfers into me down into my hands onto the guitar and music from my experience then comes through and then the lyrics then begin to form themselves and really most of my songs are about an experience with with the landscape in the Celtic tradition. I live in Wales and the Welsh have a, a very, very strong um, tradition of music, the male voice choirs, these incredible it has a solemnity to it, which again reflects the nature spirits of the land, the big slate mines, the big the big hills, this industry and and the lead mines. So there's this solemnity but beauty in that stream of music whereas when you go to Ireland you have the fast-paced jig and again that that in a way uh, responds and um, exhibits the mood of the nature spirits there. They're fun and they're sparkly and they're Quite mischievous, and the the light and the sylphs is um, like little sort of electric shocks, and you can see that the music is born out of this experience of the mood. And then, <clears throat> of course, in Scotland you have the skirl of the um, bagpipes, this powerful, powerful sound, which in a way comes from the mountains in in Scotland. So I would say that my my relationship with these beings was not so clear cut but it was um this sort of loop of reciprocity of music and sound that was my um, introduction to the to these beings um <clears throat> and then um as always we we all have a crisis before our spiritual path most mm-hmm. of us do mm-hmm. there's always a usually a crisis and it all usually comes in threes and so i had my sort of um personal crisis i would say 32 33 which came to the point when you say angel if you are there get off that cloud and Come down here and help. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was introduced to anthroposophy and Rudolf Steiner's work. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine took me to um, a service that was brought through by um, Rudolf Steiner. Very, very powerful service. And then I began to study his work, and um, went to many, many lectures. This is when I was living in London. And Rudolf Steiner, he's he's best known for his um his schools, the Waldorf schools, the Steiner schools. But he was an extraordinary man. He had this incredible ability to perceive beyond the physical into the spirit realm, to see these beings, to see the earthbound dead. But he was also had this wonderful scientific capacity this scientific brain as well and he attended the um, technical college of uh, in austria i can't remember which one it was vienna that's right the um, technical university there and studied all the sciences while still having this amazing capacity to perceive and connect and communicate with these beings And um, from his experiences, he he's written many many books and given thousands of lectures. Very intense work. I mean, to read his lectures is a, a very specific spiritual path. You have to digest what he what he brings forth and what comes through him, and the very digestion of his work changes and shifts and manoeuvres your soul I would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. And, and awakens the, these particular capacities our capacities that are so dormant so he's also known for bringing through biodynamic um, agriculture and biodynamic garden and that's using preparations to help the nature spirits and the etheric field around the physical field and um <clears throat> many many initiatives and um you know special special learning capacities he's um so that's really just a very very short description of of rudolf steiner's work and when i began to immerse myself in his work we all have, as you say, you have your spiritual path, your particular path, which is the Hedgewitch path. Mm-hmm. You knew you, you knew that that was your path because mm-hmm. you you felt like um, you felt comfortable with it, and you remembered it. That's right. I felt the same with Rudolf Steiner's work, um, but particularly his work with the nature spirits. And uh, when I read his lectures, I remember reading them outside midsummer, reading these lectures, and the whole garden and everything was just pulsing with these beings. And as I was reading these exquisite lectures um, about the nature spirits, I was experiencing exactly what he was writing. And this is one of the key techniques for, for those, of, those of you who are, will be asking this question through this interview and towards the end. Well, how do I get to experience that? How do exactly. I get to see them and experience them? And one of the ways is to take writings of advanced seers like Rudolf Steiner or um, Dorothy MacLean of Findhorn, for instance, If you read these texts outside, let's say under a tree, on a warm day, what you're actually feeling when you read this creates a sort of cloud of feeling substance, and the nature spirits read the feelings that coat our thoughts rather than the words themselves these fine nuances of feelings that coat each word so when you're reading these exquisite and truthful descriptions of these beings they recognize it and they recognize that tone of feeling so for instance if you're under a tree you might just feel the um the dryad come down around you while you're reading these and get a real sense of this being so i mean that's one key technique is to find something that is is so truthful and to read this read it and invite these beings to be with you when you when you read it so the more i experienced these beings and the more i read of his work it's so powerful and it's it has such a, a ring of deep truth but it's difficult mm-hmm. and there is some urgency now for people to awaken and get through these barriers this cordoning off from these beings that we've been taught to get back into communication with them is really key at the moment mm. and <clears throat> so on on walking the land, um I said, well, I said to these beings, I need to I need to write something that is accessible. So you know, you have my attention. What can I do about it? And over a period of time, I was um, given uh, um, an inspired text, you know, they inspired me to write texts, all on these great um, downloads of meaning coming from the land, you know, these soulful exchanges of profound meaning were coming in through the heart um, and then being um, <clears throat> transferred into the head and down into the fingers and the keys. So, <clears throat> so I wrote this book, on Nature Spirits, The Remembrance, and it's it's been a very popular book and a lot of people have connected with it and really found it very, very useful because I also bring in uh, a, a scientific line as well showing for instance like you can describe an elemental and then in sort of theoretic physics we have the etheron, or we have the graviton and the graviton is um, <clears throat> a mediator of gravity whereas the gnome or the earth elemental mm-hmm. is a mediator of gravity, gravity or a substance of gravity, gravity so it's very much a dance of vocabulary what vocabulary is going to make somebody go, ooh, that's interesting, or. Oh. Absolutely, oh. absolutely. There's so
0: much in what you've just spoken, Susan. I, I Thank you for this. I'm excited to dive into it a bit more.
1: <clears throat> and
0: I think perhaps it's useful for people to hear your definition of what an elemental and what a nature spirit actually is. Okay. Both from your point of view, as well as how did these beings communicate what they wanted us to understand about them?
1: Okay. Well, I'll take the um, if I take the uh, definition that I have in my book. If I read that, that's that's quite quite clear. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a sort of a rounded way of saying what is an elemental. There's a whole ecosystem existing a super sensible ecosystem and I'm going to use this word super sensible which implies the spiritual the non-physical the etheric the astral Um, so there's this super sensible invisible to most of us ecosystem that is combined and integrated into the the massive ecosystem that we all understand the physical one so these elementals exist between the implicit and the explicit the dematerialized the materialized <clears throat> the enfolded universe and the unfolded universe rudolf steiner describes where they are or and what they are as being the last reverberation of the cosmic creative word that underlies all existence. So they're right on the front line of physical reality before it flips over into the the physical substance. So I would say they were myriad points of life. Just as we have atoms and molecules, we have myriad points of life that are coated with divine idea, structure and pattern. So here's, when I um, walked the land to get this first entry into the book, it's just elemental, what are you? what are you and then over over a period of time this was the definition and this is in in the book for those who are interested in looking at this further an elemental is a nexus of subtly primed consciousness and vitality working at the junction between spirit and matter It is a constituent part of an ever-evolving, life-giving expression of divine creation, working on the front line of physical formation. Each elemental is charged with a specific mission regarding the assemblage, cohesion and animation of physical matter on Earth ranging from the density of a mountain rock to the rarefied heat of a candle flame. They are created and programmed by a sublime hierarchy of advanced consciousness, who over aeons of time developed their life spirit to a point where they can create life itself and give it away. This gift of life radiates down through the octaves of manifestation and condensation and out into infinitesimal elemental parts. An expression from the elementals would sound like this. We know what we must do and we do it. So in a way, nature is eminently wise but not free and we humans are free and not many of us that well Mm -hmm. what a few of us not so wise so they um they are part of what one could describe as ruling will from the hierarchies the creator the divine create creator so that's I mean, the universe is this great loving being that imagines and creates. And it's inhabited by a great choir of creator beings, nature spirits, angels, divine um, elementals. And these they animate and organize material form in a measured way while experiencing and responding to the feedback in an ever-evolving material world so it's not the straight down static thou shalt be this it's yes you are this and you're also absorbing everything that's going on in the material world Mm. so to then hone in on what is a nature spirit Well, a nature spirit is an organising intelligence within and behind physical nature that oversees the order and measure of material form and the seeking of limits to matter, the setting of limits to matter. It oversees the incarnation of the idea of the plant or phenomena into its form. It, It also holds memory of place. Mm-hmm. So we could, we could say, for instance, like a great oak tree, <clears throat> the nature spirit or the dryad of a great oak tree is um, a community. The, a nature spirit could be called a community because it has the gnomes or earth spirits in the roots and in the solid bark. You have the water spirits or the undines rising with the sap. You have the sylphs or the air spirits that are tending the blossom and bringing the light forming or the wisdom of the idea of the oak oak tree into the blossom. And then you have the salamanders or fire spirits, which is this generative warmth that is then bringing this ripening of the acorn. So it's a community and the nature spirit and the dryad is is overseeing <clears throat> this um this village of of beings in an oak tree. And it's incredible. I mean, some of these great oaks, they're such a community. It's not you find that you have wild bees in some of the um wonderful hollows. You have birds, insects. Uh, plus the invisible um, inhabitants as well. And they're Mm. all working with each other in this Mm. sort of loop of life, really. So I can go into... um, Did you want to ask any more questions about the the elementals and what they are? I, I mean, that's quite a... Again... It's so difficult to condense it down into something really, really small. I needed to ask this question and get a wide picture, hence Mm. that definition I've just given to you. Mm. But I think the best way to condense it is to say myriad points of life Mm. is what an elemental Mm. is.
0: No, I I love that. And I agree that words box us in. And they create and reflect back concepts that become inflexible for us. And so when we're trying to stick these things in that are very amorphous, it just doesn't work. But having, I think you've provided a really useful, light, soft, flexible framework for us to work with as we start to think about what they are and how we've already encountered them because i think your your point too of of the notion of remembering is a really important one to bring to the fore in this conversation we're not learning something new we are of these elementals they they live within our bodies just as they do within within the oak tree and so it's it's almost a deconstruction process that we're going through of taking away the concepts the the filters the conditioning that have been put over us, that that give us that false sense of separation, and, and in reality, we are both remembering from the perspective of re-realizing, but also in the in the true sense of remembering, of remembering, bringing these different groups, these entities that we've deemed as separate, and realizing that we are all one. And like you said, function within an ecosystem, that there is. There is no separation within an ecosystem. each part is reliant upon the other part in order for the for the existence of of this space, this time space continuum that we're in um, mm. to to live and thrive and it's ever changing as you said it's it's not a static a static notion but I, I wonder too, within what you were just saying um around the kind of cosmic intelligence there are there are a couple of things that come to mind with this. And, and one is going back to this idea of challenging our vocabulary. I wonder if if there's another word for understanding it other than intelligence, because I think at least my problem, and I feel like other people probably have this as well, is that intelligence immediately connotes intellect and the mind. Mm-hmm. And therefore we are operating from the head space when in reality, what what you're saying is we're operating from a heart space. We need to operate from a deeper embodied wisdom in order to engage with these beings and, and also intellect is so rigid and limiting that it becomes mm-hmm. impossible for us to really understand at a deep core level what is happening uh, within us and, and and around us so I wondered if you might reflect a little bit on that on on how we might deconstruct, I guess, the the notion of intelligence, is there another way for us to engage with what's really going on?
1: Loving creative consciousness. Mm. Going through consciousness process form. So it is this Loving out breath, these creator beings, these lover, loving creator beings, carrying out this ultimate dy- dynamic, this um, this wonder of creation, that filters down through all the dimensions in these myriad forms. So I think using the word. When I say that the universe is a loving being that imagines and creates, the imagination is is really important. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the past 50, 50, 60 years, we have been absorbing image Mm -hmm. from the screens rather than creating image within us. So we're in a way, we're not exercising our divine ability to imagine, mm-hmm. picture and do the picturing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it's when science then reaches artistic vision, there will come a time when um <clears throat> up until now, science. You can um, walk away with it without using your soul, but now science has. We have to include our soul, mm-hmm. and we have to um, become the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: the The laboratory table, as Rudolf Steiner says, the laboratory table needs to be honoured with um, <clears throat> respect, like you are entering the altar. Yes. You're going up to the altar, and for many of the um the practitioners and scientists of the biodynamic research institute they become the um the chemistry table they Mm -hmm. become the copper they become these different elements they meet the beings of these elements when they're experimenting and also it's very much a collaboration of a, cl- a collaboration of humans with the being of whatever you are um, exploring and experimenting with. Mm. For instance, I, I did a um <clears throat> I did an exploration into um, the causes and looking at the causes of ash dieback. Mm. Disease, the ash dieback, yeah. mm-hmm. and there were nineteen of us over a, couple, a few days, and basically we were summoning the being of the ash tree, the divine archetype of the ash tree, mm-hmm. and we summoned in a meditative way this being of the ash tree, and nearly everybody had this immense sort of sun tree, and it is it's ruled by the sun, the mm-hmm. the ash tree. And everybody experienced this extraordinary sun, sun being. And then we summoned the being of the fungi that's causing the disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, We summoned the being of disease itself. And we were meeting these beings with respect. Mm. Why are you here? why have you entered into this sun tree and why is it dying? And nearly, and because there was 19 of us, it's it's a collaboration of um, exchanging our imaging and our feeling. Mm-hmm. So the part of the experiment is how do I feel when I summon, I use this word and summon the being of a disease. How do I feel when I summon the fungi or the pathogen mm-hmm. <clears throat> and of course you need to be you have to have a good strong sense of your own sovereignty before you connect with the being mm-hmm. of the disease and we we're all a bit wary but this disease being was completely neutral and for most of it it its message was you created the space for me to come in you created the space, you created the conditions, you created the sound and the um, dimensional opening for me to enter. It was mm-hmm. completely neutral. <clears throat> and there was a sort of respect for this being. So again, I think the new, as, as I say, the new science will be, uh, it needs to work in um, with artistic vision. We need to be brave enough to um, include our souls in experimentation and exploration. And we also need to um, have a, a morality that will protect us in going into this vast space of spiritual beings that in many ways we've been protected from. And these divine creator beings that love us so much, <clears throat> in a way they've been um, protecting us. And now we need to be grow up, use our faculties of soul, exercise our imagination and our curiosity to use uh, all our faculties to take us forward. I mean, as as you say, the intellect and thinking is very much a sort of lively, dan- not dancing, a lively weaving around the head, which is quite close to the head. Whereas sensing and feeling is this vast space in front of the, the heart. Mm-hmm. <coughs> to do beg your pardon for this. No, of course. <clears throat> And we have to be sort of courageous and brave enough to be able to decipher these feelings, to be able to really feel them without them overtaking us Mm -hmm. and to use them as a new form of diagnosis, a new language. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, as we do that, we will then enter from the physical ecosystem into the, super sensible spiritual ecosystem and be able to collaborate and communicate with these beings mm. to take us forward in evolution mm. i think it was nikola tesla said that the minute we work with the spirit and the the etheric forces our our science will jump a 100 years
0: absolutely absolutely what you're saying makes me think of a couple of things that, and again going back to this notion of remembering when you're talking about needing a different language to be using, speaking the soul speak, really, it reminds me of, as I, I've begun studying animal communication and the, at the heart of that is embracing telepathy as our uniting language with all life forms. That is something that we have inherently within us, but again, like you alluded to with schooling, we get taught out of that knowing. And in in so many ways that the practice of of well yeah of, of practicing how to do this is about it's almost like going to the gym and having to work a muscle you've not worked for a long time that it's still there. It's still usable, but you have to slowly build it up. And that when we come from that place of recognizing that we are already connected, we don't have to try to connect we all are, we're already communicating, and, and especially people who live with animals. You're yes. doing it all day without even realizing that you're doing it. And so on one hand, it's about bringing the awareness to the fact that we are already telepathically communicating. We are already in conversation with everything around us and aligning our consciousness so that we are doing it consciously and become receptive to what we are actually receiving, what is being spoken to us at levels that we just need to shift our perception to to recognize that we're already we're already engaged in a dialogue.
1: Yeah. Everything we think, say, and do sounds on for spirit, ears, and eyes. Mm-hmm. Well you've mentioned before that like there's no private thoughts, for example. Yeah, there's there's no private thoughts. They they come out like colours. I mean this is the other thing is when you begin to connect with these beings especially the <clears throat> the ancient and old ones like the great boulders and the and the big old trees they can see right into your soul mm. they can read it the, mm-hmm. there is no privacy but mm-hmm. there is a compassion there mm-hmm. not so much with the boulders but but with with the tree spirits and <clears throat> even some of these delicate flowers they're they're vast beings even Mm -hmm. though their physical form is is very small they have so much compassion for us because they see what we're battling with Mm -hmm. at the moment and Mm -hmm. so there is patience and yes there is no such thing as a private thought or a private feeling I mean they see us as a constellation of energy structures in color, uh, in this constant metamorphosis of um, color clouds and um, <clears throat> uh, sort of electricity coming from us, and they mm. read that as a language. Mm. Absolutely. And again, and also, our soul has our um, our biography in it, mm. and they can read that biography some of Mm. these ancient ones and the thing is that for most of the time most people they may appreciate what they see in nature but only go to a certain depth it's time to go much deeper now Mm -hmm. and when we have a true strong experience of our thoughtlessness, that is much stronger than moral finger waving. Mm. And for us to have that true experience of our past thoughtfulness or humanity's thoughtlessness, that's our way out of the dilemmas we're in at the moment. When we really feel what we're doing to nature, and mm. more and more people are sensing. Mm-hmm. What is being doing and feel that responsibility. Rudolf Steiner pointed out at this point in our evolution um, some of the um, advanced nature spirits will be retreating and human beings will have to take over their tasks and by that we can see things like these memes like create your own reality Mm -hmm. and um, thoughts become things the law of attraction that's very much means that have come in for us to really settle in and know how we are creating our reality and forming our environment the whole time with our thinking feeling and willing and to become much more responsible with it so
0: So can can you speak a bit more about that in terms of, for example, what we think we turn into very much like that alchemical process that we are turning that into a material thing? What is the role of the elementals in collaborating with that turning into the material? And do they operate in a neutral manner as well? Like you mentioned, the disease operates in a neutral manner.
1: Yes, they We have what's called the ruling will, which is the divine, pure idea coming through. And that hits human. Um, We have the ruling will hits human Mm will. And it's at this point where because we have ignored them, cordoned them off or ridiculed them or they've been taught out of us, they've been left in limbo for many, many decades. Right. And this has been an ideal opportunity for the adversary forces to coerce them and get them to do time mm-hmm. in forms that are impure and that are miscreations because we've ignored them and left them, mm-hmm. especially the earth elementals. These are the elementals. Let's use the the, um, the traditional one. Let's talk about gnomes. Mm-hmm. The, the elementals of um, physical matter. Their substance is intelligence. We have to go back to intelligence, right. but it right. is the intelligence that holds together a form, the idea of the ideal form. So there is a divine initial idea of a rock
0: so is this like plato's forms
1: yes yeah and <clears throat> the elementals are holding this rock in place these these gnomes anything that is a physical form and if we ignore these beings as i said they are being coerced into working for the adversary forces they're taking hold of them and creating impure and unclean forms whereas if we are in communication with them we're working with them we're um, in constant um, acknowledgement of their sacrifice if you like the sacrifice into form Because they exist in this place between the joy of giving and the sacrifice of form. Oh, wow. So they're in that space, this delicate, creative, exquisite space. And because we've ignored them, these adversary forces have coerced them and made them do time in, as I say, impure forms that are inimical to life that have a death force rather than a life force Mm. and the more we get to know these beings the less they will be coerced and um, drawn into what we could describe as reversals so you might get you know the spiraling into form uh, centrifugal the impure and the unclean might take it into a centripetal so it's a sort of reversal forms. So instead of these elementals coming in and giving us life, they are being coerced to take life out of the planet and out of us. So I'll give you this is a beautiful quote from um, a very, very wise and wonderful um biodynamic practitioner and this really encapsulates your your the answer i think that you would like when we expose our will in work we affect their realm so the elementals depend on what kind of morality they meet and can be servants of both good and evil we are only able to fulfill our responsibility to the earth and the environment if we know about these beings and deliver moral impulses to them imagine therefore how vital it is to really build up a personal relationship to nature now that's by a man called Manfred Klett it's beautiful it is beautiful and it's so precise isn't it yeah it is and And
0: it's it makes me think of how we we talk in the kind of current zeitgeist about the path of ascension, the human path of ascension, and what is that? And it sounds to me like this is reflecting back to me at any rate, that part of the way that we ascend in our spirit is about right engagement with the elementals. and in a sense, looking at our personal role and our personal power in being able to do that. In, in the face of all that we're seeing, in the face of climate change, in the face of war, in the face of pandemics, epidemics, all of that, that it's it's what we do at a very individual level. How are we engaging at a heart level, our own moral level, uh, in order to both set the elementals free to use that language, but also then to create something that is much more based in in the energy of love. Would that be fair to say?
1: Absolutely. I'll just give one of Rudolf Steiner's most exquisite quotes. It's, um, yielding to beauty brings forth pious devotion to infinity. Mm -hmm. And when we yield to the beauty and we go into this heartfelt communion with these beings, what you're doing, you... Release you, you bring joy in between this joy of giving and sorrow of form, and you're releasing them so they're recycling and moving and beginning to evolve. So, this yielding to beauty, and in a way, you're releasing them from an enchantment so that there is this ongoing sort of evolution of the elementals and our best way really again another favorite phrase of mine of Stein is is find and create a sheath of soul quiet love that And when we find and create that sheath of soul quiet, we're able to sense, feel these exquisite and delicate um, messaging and um, sensory and artistic imaginations that are pulsing out of nature the whole time. His um he has these uh sort of well-known exercises called the six steps to self-development. Mm-hmm. And these are the key exercises for opening up our supersensible perception into the into their world. And the exercise three is about one finding this sheath of soul quiet another one is um, summoning the being of equanimity so you have this absolutely clear plane and then you summon and go deep into sorrow you summon and go deep into joy because we have to exercise our ability to accommodate profound and deep feeling because you just have to go and look at an exquisite forest that then has a huge um, mobile mast in the middle of it. It's so painful, but at this point in our evolution, where we are in 2023, we need to be able to accommodate and um, deal with the the, uh, immense uh, range of feelings in nature because there is so much to feel sorrow about and there's also immense joy. I mean, I am just amazed by the amount of um, chemtrails, poison, the um, electromagnetic um, impurities that are pulsing in and around the earth the whole time, but she's still amazing and she's still composing this wonder the whole time there's immense power coming up from the center of the earth at the moment immense power coming up from the center and and the great collaboration with the animals as well i mean your your love of the animals i'll give you an example of of uh what i've observed to underline what, what i've just said so many of us are in despair with the chemtrails and what is being sprayed in the sky but i was um, lifted into joy while observing these by a a large flock of birds i could see these sort of these etheric dirty yellow sort of trickling down from these entrails and then this flock of birds flew through the air spinning that air into these centripetal and centrifugal um forms that was cleaning and clearing the sylphs and realigning the sylphs back to their divine ideal Mm. you you know the sylph royalty they just needed to have it the the atomic forms and the um, super sensible forms spun back into its purity, and the birds did it. Mm. So the it is amazing just to see what the animals can do, and um, <clears throat> but. Uh, Yes. And also when you just see the cattle lying down just before it rains, they have this wonderful, wonderful sense of peace. And this ruminating cow is just sending out such um, sweetness out over the land and into the land as well. Mm -hmm. And the magic of the manure, too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And I think that's the gift of having an animal like a dog, for example, that I feel acts as a gateway for us in many respects into our connection with the natural world. And we've quite literally invited little wolves into our homes, which is, it's just incredible to think about. And in many cultures throughout time, dogs have represented that liminal space. They often represent the kind of the the trajectory of life and death, that cycle, but they also represent that that merging that liminal space between the human realm and the animal realm and so consequently they become such great teachers for us to really look at our own relationship um to ourselves and to to nature and they are communicating as i was saying like constantly through their own emotions and we know this on on many levels there's a there's a A dog trainer who's passed now who I reference quite often named Kevin Behan and he wrote a book called Your Dog is Your Mirror and within that his he's got a very interesting story where his father was the first dog trainer of police dogs in the U.S. and he grew up seeing the way in which his father did all of this training and then started to question for himself is it was sort of in the era of like dominance training the alpha dog those sorts of theories that have since been debunked about the way in which dogs learn and what they're actually be what they're doing what they're thinking what they're asking um, and he started looking at the emotional state of the dog and he he theorized and then was proving that what's actually happening with a dog is that they are Operating from an emotional charge at all times, and that charge is running through different parts of their their bodies and so when they are doing behaviors for example that we might not like, like lunging but the the quote unquote reactive behaviors, they are so drawn to via an, a, an emotional charge the thing that they are going up against right there's something about that, and the reality is so often it's not actually specifically their emotions, it's our emotions that they are taking on and reflecting in their behavior. So Kevin was saying that when we are looking to help a dog engage differently within the world, you have to look at the owner. And in a sense, what is fundamental to the, the, the training is the human's shadow work. That is at the core of what Mm. needs to happen. And I feel like that's very linked to what you're describing as well, that if we are meant to work with the beautiful life force that is and work with the earth's energy, as you said, we have been horribly treating her for ages. And yet she's still here, loving us, supporting us, feeding us, nurturing us in every way we we have to get clear with our own shadow work around what is it that we think it means to be human and that's part of what i'm asking with this podcast as well and and with my engagement with my own dog how is my dog teaching me that what what am i being asked to confront within myself that is having a direct and immediate effect on my environment both locally but also as you said there are no private thoughts and energy is expensive. There's no time and space. So anything that I'm doing right here is going to have an effect all over. And so I find it, I find it very interesting that as you're describing, even, even using this notion of summoning of things like disease and that we have created the vacuum for these things to, to occur within Hedgewitch practices, we talk about invoking the spirit of something and what that really means is that you are recognizing that that spirit is within you it's already within you it's not an external thing that you're necessarily calling upon it's recognizing that you are connected to it in some way or as Paul Selig would say like you're in accord with it you're Mm -hmm. resonating with it and so it offers us the opportunity to choose differently but you have to see it first and so that's where the animals become just exquisite mirrors for us in in, in what are we doing what is our part in this
1: hmm. yeah the the truth and beauty of a dog look, looking into your eyes it is the most exquisite and their joy too <clears throat> yeah especially when you don't have treats at hand and they're still doing it <laughs> ah, ah. And of course, we have our own body elemental, right? We have our our, our life body, which is um, obviously we have the the earth elementals in our bones. The undines in the fluids in our body. um, The sylphs of the air going in and out of our lungs and then the fire spirits in our metabolism and our blood. And we have this being, it's so integrated into us but in a way that's a great way of again of connecting with the elementals in nature is to honor the um <clears throat> the body elemental of the hum- of, of yourself. We can do maybe let's do a little exercise that people can try which awaken, awakens this body elemental and also, enlivens the um all the elementals around you and makes your aura more porous and more able to sense um the elemental activity around you that sounds so we start off we start off with a prayer position like this so for those who are not watching
0: on youtube that's the namaste hands at the heart right
1: you then put up And put the point of your fingers at the back of your neck. And gently and slowly come down. Touching your nose. Honouring and greeting this body elemental that takes care of the mechanics of your body that you are not conscious of. It takes care of all that activity so that you can have your consciousness free to imagine and create and communicate. Your back to the heart, then turn your fingers down and press down, imagining your this sort of spear, if you like, going into the earth. And below your feet is the Earth Star Chakra. So you can imagine a ball of light there. I won't say what colour, we all have different colours, but there's a ball of light just underneath, about a foot underneath. Greet that Earth Chakra. Then bring your hands up like this, to your sides, to the sides and up to here and begin to sense a streaming from the top of your head, the crown chakra going up towards the stars. And you'll sense your star chakra above your head. So greet and honor that. Okay, next move. Uh, Obviously you're going to do it wider than I do, but you're going to go to the edge of your aura like this. With your palms facing outwards. Yes, touching the edge of your aura, but obviously it will be much, much wider. And then, obviously, you go to the front and the back. And then back into the prayer position in front of the heart. Now, if you do this outside or even inside, or maybe you can feel that now, can you feel there's a sort of an aliveness and tingling around mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. see connecting and understanding these elementals it's the most wonderful way of understanding this meme we are all one Mm -hmm. the elementals of my skin meet the sylphs of the air meet the uh, gnomes of the oak bark we're all connected through this elemental network And my true self seeks communication with your true self. You have my attention. You have my love. I reverse my will and I open up for your messaging. Your guidance. Open up to relationship. So, something along those lines is a great way of starting.
0: That's beautiful. I love the idea of doing that as well before going out on a walk with your dog. Yes. So that when you're entering into the walk, you are already aware of the communion, the communication, and I'd be curious too about what the dog picks up
1: as Mm -hmm. a consequence of that. I'd love to hear.
0: Yeah, I'll have to try it. That's beautiful. So beautiful. Is there anything else that you'd like to share, Susan, that we've not spoken about yet?
1: I would say... Don't be afraid of your emotions and don't be afraid of the elemental beings. But the key thing is, is um, don't expand your um, consciousness beyond your ability to um, take care of it. So one of the one of the most important things is this exercise helps, because one you you start off with a heart and you declare your sovereignty, your I am presence, your strength as an individual. first, so you've got this place of anchorage right. before you become porous and open. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I have this on my website. But here's a really lovely uh, mantra by Rudolf Steiner that can help you do this. It's more radiant than the sun, purer than the snow, finer than the ether is the self. The spirit within my heart, I am that self, that self am I. Mm. So you declare that so you're well anchored in your divinity and then open up. Then allow yourself to go into this trance of receptivity with the beings and invite the beings to connect with you. The difficulty can come when you don't have this anchorage point and that's when people, but not all elementals are um, friends of humans. Okay, okay. They're not, as I said, some have been, um, you know, there is resentment in certain places. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, One of the places I've been working on recently, this is one of the key um, lead mining areas in the late Victorian times. So much lead was taken out young children were put into these, this mining concern. Lead and mental health, so that two huge workhouses, quite close, where these uh, mentally um, upset children were, were sent to, huge amounts of resources taken out without any relationship beforehand. And there is trauma in the land, unprocessed trauma, and therefore the Elementals are upset and unhappy. So part of my work is healing this, and you know, there's a group of us, and we're doing quite well with this. We're really making good headway with it, just saying, I'm so sorry that what has happened here. And we're so grateful, because the Elementals know industry needs lead. They're happy. The earth is happy to give this, but there needs to be relationship before resource grabbing, basically. And these Victorian minds have a mood about them, whereas the really old, old open cast minds of, let's say, the Bronze Age or Iron Age, you know that the Druids and the, the priests and the wise men would speak to the mountain spirit or the hill spirit first, because the hill spirit was part of the community. Everybody understood and knew and communicated with the hill spirit. Hill okay. spirit, we need resource for our community. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that mood around there. And it's nothing to do with the length of time. It's right. to do with respect and connection and relationship. Mm-hmm so don't be afraid of relationship and have fun and play and um i have a list of um plant spirit or phenomena spirit um connection protocols so if you go onto my website and uh you go to um, my contact page then i'm very happy to point anybody in a direction with a whole list i think how many have i got I have a a list of 20 um, different um, activities you can try. Oh, or, amazing. Or, and also some good questions to start with when you're working with them. And you don't want to be too complex. You could start off with simple things like: who are you? What do you teach? Am I able to receive it? You know, these simple, sweet, intimate questions that the nature, as you begin to build relationship. So if anybody would like that, then my uh, website is susanraven.com. And I, and I will course, leave a link in the show notes as well for people. Great, great. And also, uh, <clears throat> yes, the book, um, Nature Speaks the Remembrance. Um, gives a really I feel a very very clear idea of what these beings are and what their task is and what their activity is in these super sensible um, spiritual realms which we are getting ever closer to exploring and returning to Mm
0: -hmm. and I can say from personal experience it's a beautiful book it's a very accessible book but very informative and poetically written as well it's a really lovely read. So I highly recommend that. And that, that came out first in 2013. Is that correct?
1: That's, that's right. Yes. So,
0: so could I ask you actually a quick question on that, which is, has anything new come to light for you in those 10 years now that have passed between when you first wrote that and what you were experiencing now? Or have the, the nature spirits and the elementals offered up anything else that you might even include as an addendum?
1: i think i have a a sense very much sense of uh like so many people do at the moment this um momentum there's a great momentum going on with a rising of consciousness in humanity and as i said i i feel that there's immense power coming up from the center of the earth and as we know we're um our solar system is is sort of rising above above the elliptic of the the uh, <clears throat> galaxy, and we're getting much more light from the central sun. And um, I think a lot of people have noticed, you know, well, especially if they're my age in in the sixties, that as children the sun was golden and yellow, and now it's white. You know, there's this diamond white. And there's very much this new light, this new wisdom of light coming in. And I think many of the um, Earth's mythologies speak of a time when there will be a decomposing of the old and a composing and uh, a a raying in of great wisdom and light. And if we're open to it, um, we can receive this new um, wisdom and light and enliven the elementals that make up our body elemental, so we can bring these capac- capacities on, online and begin to use them. Rudolf Steiner speaks of a time, this time, he said there will be new elementals coming in, and he calls them the Christ element- elementals. Some people call it the, um, the ascension light. There's very different names and vocabulary for what is happening he particularly called them the christ elementals and he said that the sciences technology will be infused by a christ impulse and i think we can see the beginnings of that that we can see that there is a new morality and many many um, wonderful minds um, scientific minds and scientists are um, very much evident now, who who have not only had a, a, a thorough scientific training, but they've also followed, you know, a rigorous spiritual path. People like Nassim Harriman. right, and he's tremendous, and Bruce Lipton, and these wonderful um, frontline scientists mm-hmm. are showing that there's this new divinity, this new um, impulse, new wisdom and light infusing our social and scientific arena. So we welcome them. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love it. This has just been such a gift, Susan. I am so grateful. So, so grateful. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, so we'll have to have you back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so many. And just one friends. one thing. Um, if you enjoy um Celtic, uh contemporary Celtic folk music, I have some uh videos on YouTube. There's one called Ride the Storm, which is really a song encapsulating what's going on at the moment, and another one called Waves of Grace. So if people enjoy that style of music, do head over to YouTube and absolutely. Check the
0: songs. And I will leave a link to your YouTube site as well, to your channel. Wonderful. Susan, I have one final question for you that I ask all of my guests, and I have alluded to it of asking it myself as well. And that is, normally I would say, what have animals, what have dogs specifically taught you about what it means to be human? But I also think it would be appropriate to ask you, what do you feel that the elementals have taught you about what it means to be human?
1: They have taught me about the the profound responsibility we have as human. And they've also shown me the exquisite spiritual beauty, creative, co-creative beauty of nature and humans. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you for listening to this beautiful exploration of nature spirits with singer, songwriter, and author Susan Raven. I hope you enjoyed it. What was your biggest takeaway? Have you had experiences of connecting with nature spirits before? Are there any particular mythologies or legends of nature spirits in your cultural background? I invite you to try the meditative exercise that Susan leads us through before your next walk with your dog and see what you experience. And please let me know what you discover by messaging me on Instagram at Mystic Mama. I'd love to hear about it. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the podcast and let me know what other topics you'd like me to cover to help you live your best mystic dog mama or papa life with your own pup. If you're interested in learning more about Susan and her work, I've left links to her website, book, and YouTube channel in the show notes. Finally, just a quick note to let you know that this episode was supported by Aspirationary, which in full transparency is another project of mine. At Aspirationary, we make books, notebooks, and stationery to help you become all you aspire to be. You can check out our shadow work and moon magic journals and workbooks on Instagram at Aspirationary, which is spelled A-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-E-R-Y. I've left that link in the show notes too. Okay. Thank you so much for being here with me and I'll see you next time.